The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Geeks, and welcome to Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, mini-episode 23.5. I'm Michael, and let's dive into it. First, I want to promote our brand new YouTube channel, Wizards Podcast, that you can find us posting a bunch of cool content. We've got a lot of really fun videos that are coming out. We're even doing a special on the Roger Corman Fantastic Four film that doesn't exist in the eyes of Marvel. And we recorded it over Zoom, so we're going to be posting the episodes on YouTube as well as in the podcast. And we're going to have a lot of really cool bonus features and extra content, still images, and things that we found in our research and journey into this historic movie that is just a myth. Or is it? So, first, we're going to dive into the amazing art section. amazing art section this month has a lot of stuff to talk about. The first one here is by David Wilcox, who's definitely submitted a bunch of other stuff in the past. But this one, it's a very, very scary-looking wizard himself, funny enough. And this wizard is the winner of the gold foil wizard number 17. And he's sort of like manifesting a bunch of wizard magazines from a cauldron. And he's even drawn the covers really, really well in this very tiny format for the magazines. He's got the Hulk cover, he's got the Venom cover, and the Flash just kind of floating in the air, which is pretty cool. The next one we have is by Dan Govar from Arnold, Maryland, and he is the winner of the Valiant Gold Eternal number one. They must have had so many of these Valiant Gold Eternal number one uh, that they just they can't get rid of them, and they're just giving them away like crazy. If you, if you drew something for Valiant, you're getting the gold Eternal Warrior number one. And so this is some sort of wizard-type demonic figure with weird tattoos in their arms. Again, I don't know a lot of the Valiant characters, so forgive me. He is holding Solar, Man of the Atom, in the palm of his hand. And he's wearing sort of like a the wizard's cloak over his shoulders. There's like a chessboard underneath where I assume that's meant to be, I think it's Checkmate or something like that. I'm not really sure, but there's a bunch of people. Is Checkmate image? Someone will tell me and they'll, I'll get a good old flame on screw up. So yeah, <laughs> go, go for it. Enjoy yourselves. Flame on! The next one we have is by Brian Coleman from Petersburg, Virginia. And he drew a John Stewart Green Lantern. And it almost looks painted. It's really good. It looks like it was drawn on a canvas. The way the texture is of the paper. And this is, you know, a scan from a magazine that is 
27 years old, but it's really terrific, and the cover looks really good. He's got different notations of who's on the cover or who's in the magazine. He's It's really terrific. This is one of my favorites I've seen in a while. The next one is by Danny Serafino from Wilmette, Illinois, and he's I've seen his name pop up before, too. And he drew a Shazam, or, you know, Captain Marvel, if you will, if you still go by that, but it's Shazam. And instead of yelling Shazam, he's yelling wizard with an exclamation point. It looks really cool. I like it. The drawing is very, very good. It almost feels like the early, early incarnations of Shazam way back in in the 30s and 40s and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. And it's excellently drawn. It's fantastic. The next one we have is by Ben Drillet from Salem, New Hampshire, and this is the winner of another cold foil number one. Look at that. Go figure. And it's another character I don't recognize. He's got metallic shoulder pads and and gauntlets. He's a gray-looking character with a weird kind of grimace on his face. It's almost like a cross between Gray Hulk and like a Ninja Turtle. If you ask me, it's, it's weird. Play it's way better than anything I could ever draw from my entire life. I make jokes all the time that I'm like, I've been a Batman fan for 35 years, and I've been trying to draw the perfect bat symbol for 35 years, and I can never get it right. And I never am happy with the way I draw it. It's pretty funny. I still can't draw a Batman to save my life that I'm happy with. So it's it's pretty funny when I see people that can draw. It blows my mind, and I absolutely love it because I'm just not talented at drawing. The next one is by Jay Chupe from Murray, Kentucky, and funny enough, he has a Batman and the Penguin with him. It's kind of drawn in like a Mad Max, a, like a Mad Magazine kind of style or like a Cracked Magazine. And this is the winner of DC's Platinum Superman number 75. That's pretty cool. And it says, oh, that's funny. Batman is holding a Batman Returns film reel, and it says, do not show until 6-19-92, and that's why the Penguin, it looks like he's trying to steal the film reel. That's pretty funny. Now I fully get it. Oh, I like it even more now. That's great. That's pretty clever. The next series of drawings we have, the first one is by Neil Pat Zerbowski from Jamestown, New York, and he drew it must be a spider-man character of some sort it's it's it could even be a brand like almost like a a, you know a homemade hero kind of a character i don't know this particular spider character but it's got a the character's a female spider character with a black widow logo on her chest but like spider webs on her shoulders climbing on webs and I don't know who this character is. It's a really cool drawing. I, I really like it, but the, the spider suit's kind of Black Widow-esque. I wonder if it's sort of like a hybrid amalgam of Black Widow, the super spy, and a spider character like a Spider-Woman type of a thing. It's very cool. I'm, I'm into it. I like it. I just don't know what the character is. The next one is by James Cave from Bowie, Maryland. And this is... Another character I don't know. This female character's got white hair and white eyes, and she's wearing a wizard string bikini. She's got two 
purple gauntlets on both of her upper arms, like her her bicep area, and her, one of her fists is kind of either smashing through something or it's kind of smoking off of it, and there's smoke from behind her. It's a very cool drawing. I just don't know who this character is, James Cave. I'm sorry, I couldn't tell you. The next one is by Dan Araldi from Keene, New Hampshire, and he drew a Vampirella in kind of a, I'm going to call it like a Roger Rabbit style drawing. Very interesting, very nuanced, and the interesting thing about it is the number on the Wizard magazine is number 66. Interesting. I don't know. I, I, I just kind of drew my, drew my attention, and I'm not really sure why. The next one is by John D. Phillips from Clever, Montana, and it's a zombie Superman, and it says, not even death can stop me. And he's kind of like rising from the grave. And there's other zombies like clinging onto him. It's pretty cool. We don't see a lot of Superman drawings in this thing. So it's pretty nice to see. The next one we have is Bloodshot. It's by Shanth and Jody from Hickson, Tennessee. And... I don't even know how to describe it. I really, it's pretty cool though. Bloodshot is sort of in a red circle. There's like waves or flames of some sort coming out of the wizard logo. He's holding a bleeding bow stash. There's blood on it. And it's pretty cool. I I, I dig it. I really like it actually. (laughs) Okay, so the next one, (laughs) this is interesting. This doesn't age well for wizard here. John Lorenzi from Riverside, California has a cover where the wizard has converted Batman and Robin into women and they're both large chested women and um it's a little uncomfortable to talk about it's weird and Batman is saying way to go mouth and Robin is saying holy mammarini pro proportions Batman uh, I don't know. I'm kind of moving on from this one. I, I don't... It's it's a, a really well-drawn picture, but it just doesn't age well, and I, I don't like it for that case. So the next one we have is by Randall Ham from Auburn, Alabama, and it appears... I'm not sure who this character is. He kind of looks like Guy Gardner. He's spray-painted wizard on the wall. He's drinking a couple of beers wearing cowboy boots and a black leather jacket. I think this is another character, but it really looks like Guy Gardner, so I'm going to just call it Guy Gardner. The last one we have is by Stephen Gallegos from Smyrna, Georgia. And this is an excellent, excellent cover of the X-Men. And from the top down, you've got Jean Grey, Cyclops, obviously, Rogue, Colossus, you've got Bishop, you've got Psylocke, Beast, Wolverine, Storm, Iceman, Gambit, Jubilee, Archangel, and they're all going after somebody. It's really, really cool that this person was able to draw all of these characters on this cover. It's excellent. Very, very impressive. And where Cyclops would normally, in the 90s costume, have the X logo on like his chest plate of that strap thing that you see in the animated series he's got four stars in it which is pretty cool so i'm into it i like it that's very cool that's definitely a really good one to end the amazing art section with and next we're going to dive into the hunk and babe of the month here we go i'm too sexy for my shirt 
my goodness. Okay, so the first one, it's saying the babe of the month is Wanda Blake. And here's what Wizard had to write. These are Wizard's words, not my words. They do not reflect our podcast. I just have to preface that before I even read these things. Okay, here we go. Now, here's a woman worth coming back from the dead to. Just because she's Spawn's former wife doesn't mean we can't admire her from afar. Wow, she's pretty. Sure can't blame Spawn for wanting this lovely lady back. But who are you kidding? His face looks like a pincushion, which means that us other guys can make our move. She sure looks classy in that beautiful gown, though. Ah, but who wants class when you're drooling over a sexy picture? See, this started out nice. It really started out nice, and then it just goes south real quick. Way to go, wizard. Strike one on the hunkin' babe of the month here. So the next one we have is Nomad. And just so you guys know, Wanda Blake is fully clothed in a, in a shiny gown, and Nomad is fully naked, flexing. Okay, here we go. So this says, check out this tanned physique of the sleek ex-partner of Captain America. For a wandering type of guy, I travel around the world to find a man who is this hot. Just because he squeezes a trigger every once in a while, it doesn't mean he can't squeeze a woman gently. <laughs> my god. I only wish he would take off his sunglasses so we could see his dreamy eyes. Oh my god. This is so awkward. I... Ugh. If he wants to look for the American dream so bad, he could drop by my place. Ooh, yeah. Yikes. Okay. Uh, yeah. That is our hunk and babe of the month. So we have Wanda Blake from Spawn and Nomad from Captain America fame. Yeah. Okay. Super. Great. I don't know why he makes me do this. He, he loves to torture me with this. He really, really does. Oh. So next we have My Kind of Hero. In My Kind of Hero, so there's actually a team this month, which is pretty cool, and it's called Northern Command, and the creator is Robert Saunders of Port Moody, Canada. First team member is Incarnate, who is the team leader, Mosquito, Structure, Pear, Tumid, and Lupne. Current occupation, heroes slash mercenaries. Citizenships, they're Canadian. Legal status, wanted criminals. Okay, so they're bad guys. Or are they? I don't know. Base of operations is mobile. Okay, their power set. Incarnate is immortal, and his body regenerates constantly. Mosquito is a scientifically engineered vampire, but has none of its weaknesses. Structure has the ability to change size and density, and also has super strength. Pear is a Native American who is skilled in all forms of weapons. Tumid is an 
an energy being whose touch resembles a repeated stinging of bees and can only stay outside his armor for a short period of time. Wouldn't that make more sense to call that mosquito? I don't know. Blood sucking, I guess. I don't know. Lupne is part animal and part human and part machine. So three parts. <laughs> okay, great. Got it. Now here comes their origin. When Canada started experimenting with human genetics, it deployed agents to find suitable candidates under the age of two. Six children were rendered comatose where they were treated with different chemicals to enhance their bodies to the scientists' needs. While comatose, the children were educated by a computer link-up so that when they emerged at age 18, they were as educated as much as possible in a world they did not live in. When awoken, they were finally trained to become part of the Northern Command Project, where they would be superpowered law enforcers. When the six discovered their origins, they had fled the project only to be relentlessly hunted by a government that doesn't want the world to know they existed. The six are still on the run. Dun dun dun! So the next two, the fans really need to be more original with their names because this first character I'm going to talk about his name is Grunge, which is a character from Gen 13, but also a genre of music as well. And then the second character, I'm going to give a little spoiler for you, is named The Edge, kind of like the guitarist from U2. So we'll see how this goes. I mean, The Edge, I could get away with grunge. I think is a little bit of a, a, a lazy attempt, but okay. I didn't create the character and I didn't draw it. So grunge is really, really grotesque looking. He's got like a porcupine style thorn all over his body and a weird beard, if you will. I don't know. It's a little creepy. So, the creator is Sean Simmons and James O'Reilly from Newburgh, New York. The real name of Grunge is Algnar. Secret identity is John Kingsman. If you saw this character on our Instagram, you'd ask, how could this guy have a secret identity? But I guess we're going to find out. His legal status is transient. (laughs) Okay, great. I don't know what that means in, in sense of legal status, but sure, whatever, fine. Marital status is single. Base of operations, somewhere in medieval Europe. Okay, so it's a medieval character. All right, sure. Height, 8 foot 5, weight, 870 pounds. Eye color as grunge is yellow, as John Kingsman is brown. Powers... Grunge possesses superhuman strength coupled with a near invulnerability. Grunge can also man-morph, which also allows him to transform his physical self into the shape of any man. While these attributes sound brutish, Grunge is a keen intellect, and his wisdom helps keep him alive in war-torn world. Okay, his origin story, Algnar is one of a few survivors of a race of Earth-based creatures known as the Draken. During medieval times, countless Draken were slaughtered by knights when they were mistaken for other malevolent creatures such as dragons, demons, and goblins. By using his man-morphing, Algnar has over the years adopted a human identity of John Kingsman and vowed revenge on the knights 
and wizards who slaughtered his people. All right, now here, let's go to the edge here. We're going to take this to the edge. And this is created by Norman Wong and Daniel Gillian from He Met, California. Sure. I don't know, a lot of cities. <laughs> Whatever, or towns if you want. So, secret identity is Vang Ji, and his current occupation is an artist. His citizenship is United States. Legal status is vigilante. Marital status is single. His base of operations is Los Angeles, California. Height, 5'8". Weight, 180. Hair color is black and eye color is brown. Good. Got that out of the way. The Edge is a master of the martial arts, including hand-to-hand combat, sword fighting, and various weapons of the Kyoto. The Edge also carries a wrist rocket that deploys single blades and an explosive cylinder that has enough power to blow through three inches of solid steel. All right, what is The Edge's origin? Let's find out. Vang Ji and his younger brother Wu were raised by their grandfather on a small farm in Japan. The grandfather was one of the very few people in the world who had mastered the art of fighting known as Kyoto. The grandfather taught Vang and Wu the Kyoto. After his death, they immigrated to the United States. Soon after arriving, Wu gave in to the temptation of drugs and died from an overdose. Vang, distraught over the loss of his brother, decided to become the edge and wage war on drug dealers and prevent anyone else from becoming addicted to drugs. Okay, I like that. I, I buy it. Greetings, geeks. Adam calling in on the 2099 Hotline. This is the segment where I take you through Marvel's World of Tomorrow. We've been covering the books leading up to the multi-part crossover Fall of the Hammer, and this time around, we're going to check in with Ravage 2099 Issues 11 to 14. When we last left Ravage, he had taken on a new power set. Namely, he could transform into a hulking horned wild man with claws and fangs. Also able to revert to human form, he had reunited with his family, his brother, his sister, his father, who are part of the Green Globe Corporation. As issue 11 opens, Ravage sees his brother Jean-Claude morph into a scaly alien creature right before his eyes, causing our hero to do some transforming himself and a destructive battle ensues, but during the fight, Ravage uses his heightened sense of smell to realize his brother is already dead and in the garbage chute in the office. So the alien can't be the enemy. The alien actually disappears and Ravage realizes he was hallucinating and literally fighting thin air. Reverting to human form just in time, Ravage is discovered by his sister and father in front of the body. There is some suspicion as to his involvement, but that is soon passed over. A big revelation happens in this issue. We realize that there is a head bad guy in charge of all of the villains in the 2099 books up to this point named Avatar, and he has called them all into a meeting. You have Tyler Stone from Spider-Man 2099, Fear Master from Punisher 2099, and Hent who has been the main antagonist for Ravage. 
They are all called out for failing to eliminate the various heroes who threaten this mysterious new floating city, Valhalla. In my earlier coverage of Ravage, I recalled hearing somewhere that he was referred to as a garbage man, and in this meeting, Avatar specifically refers to Ravage as, quote, the galactic garbage man, which makes no sense. The character has never been to space, he doesn't have alien origins, though Avatar mentions that he has connection to alien beings, so that was just kind of weird. The issue ends with Fear Master being appointed as the head of Eco in place of Henton, who is then assassinated on the final panel. Issue 12 opens on a funeral for Ravage's brother, after which his sister Miranda and her boyfriend Alec start hallucinating that each other are mutant creatures and they battle. Ravage transforms and gets involved in the scuffle, then Alec calls his Eco military force that he's in charge of to capture the Beast Man, as Ravage is now being referred to in his new form. He realizes that there are little microchip bugs that are attaching themselves to people and creating these hallucinations. He knocks out Alec and his sister just as the military force arrives and thinks that Ravage was the one doing the attacking. This is mostly a filler issue, except for the end, where we see that Tiana, who's Ravage's old girlfriend and secretary, is seeking solace at a Thorite church where she prays to a statue of Hela to be more than quote, a fashion accessory to an action man, and reveals her desire to become a superhero herself, which is overheard by a Thorite priest who tells her he can give her the power she seeks. Issue 13 opens with Fear Master showing up as the new head of Eco with a creature called an Animech, which is a cyborg with the brain of an animal, in this case a panther, who is provoked into attacking Ravage, who then of course transforms to be a better match for his attacker. But through his primal animal instincts, Ravage can sense the fear of the creature's brain and feel sympathy for it, putting it out of its misery and lamenting the need to kill a fellow creature. Unfortunately, now Fearmaster knows that the mysterious beast man is actually Ravage, and then he takes off. Again, this is just pointless action, but the second half of the book finds Tiana entering a lab under a Thorite church where Tyler Stone is preparing the procedure that will transform her into the new Hela as she desired. Meanwhile, at Green Globe, they're having a board meeting and Ravage learns that his family's company provided the Valhalla City with, quote, recycling units, biotopsoil, and five auto suns, which he objects to because he has discovered the Valhalla is using an illegal anti-gravity generator. But since his family doesn't vote to pull out of the project on ethical grounds, Ravage transforms, travels to Valhalla to commit sabotage, but the book then ends with Ravage being cornered by Punisher 2099 in his police outfit as Officer Jake Gallows, and with a gun pointed at his face, the Beast Man is accused of killing cops. So issue 14 then opens on the obligatory hero versus hero battle. But the twist is that the first few pages, it's Ravage versus Officer Jake Gallows, but then Gallows runs off into the shadows and then becomes the Punisher, so that you have Ravage versus Punisher, which was a strange mid-battle twist that amounted to nothing more than a costume change. And Ravage calls it out saying, quote, he's the cop I fought earlier. 
like three panels earlier. He must have run off to get changed. Whoever else he is, he's the Punisher. Yeah, Punisher really should have stayed with the helmeted design in the original concept drawing for Punisher 2093, you know, to protect the secret identity. Anyway, Ravage eventually bails on his remote-controlled jet, hey, very convenient, and then the very rushed attempt to introduce Ravage to the rest of the players of the Fall of the Hammer storyline occurs. First, Doom shows up and Ravage's off as a hologram, revealing that he also knows the identity of the Beast Man, and invites Ravage to join him in taking down Valhalla that night. Using his beast sense, uh, he's able to determine that Doom is not lying, so he agrees. But immediately after the Doom hologram disappears, then three of the X-Men 2099 team show up in hologram form, demanding that Ravage tell them where someone named Jordan Boone is, who is a friend of theirs that disappeared while investigating Valhalla. But Ravage is just offended by the demand, and then the scene ends. Finally, we get back to the cool stuff, though. As Tiana finishes her transformation into Hela, through an implanted hallucination put into her brain by Tyler Stone, she's confronted by, quote, the real Hela, who murders the Tiana identity inside her head, and thus takes over control of her body. She emerges in a very low-cut green costume, she's got the headpiece, but now fully in the Hela persona, an avatar arrives, telling her that in exchange for the powers, she must eliminate either Spider-Man, the Punisher, Doom, or Ravage, to which she replies, quote, Make mine Ravage! In a clear nod to the old Stanley slogan, Make Mine Marvel. The last few pages are a television interview with a new champion against crime called Balder, who claims that the real gods have returned to take down these false heroes. As you can probably tell, this run of issues didn't really catch my interest outside of the Tiana Tehila storyline. The corporate version of Ravage is too boring, and when he goes into beast mode, it seems like mindless action. It really was a better book when Stan Lee was writing it. But but here's hoping that after the crossover, we're in for a more intriguing evolution of Ravage's world. Speaking of the crossover, in the final panel, we are teased with, next, the fall of the hammer. But we're not quite there yet on the 2099 hotline. On the next installment, we'll be seeing what the Punisher 2099 has been up to besides wrestling with Ravage. So stay tuned. And until next time, see you in the future. So... Now I gotta go to my least favorite part of this entire thing, which is the quiz. Let's see what we're dealing with here. First, for quiz number 23, the grand prize is a thousand dollar shopping spree in the comic book store of your choice with wizard picking up the tab wow a thousand bucks back then whoo man what you could do with a grand back then to buy stuff that would be awesome nowadays you could buy two hot toys great the first prizes which there would be three of them a complete set of the original Image Wizard Gold Cards, as well as the Gold Cards for the Second Series Cards, Numbers 1 through 6. Or a copy of Darker Image Number 1, autographed by Sam Keith, as well as a set of three bonus cards autographed respectively by Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, and Keith, your choice. Second prize... 
a limited edition Turok Chromium card autographed by artist Bart Sears or a copy of the Max Half autographed by artist Sam Keith. Your choice. The third prizes is a copy of Exo Manowar Zero autographed by artist Joe Quesada or a copy of Wizard Superman Tribute Edition autographed by the cover artist Dan Jurgens and the entire Wizard creative staff. That's pretty cool. Okay, let's focus on the quiz at hand, shall we? Question number one. Hey, Tiger. Three words. Mary Jane Watson. Thank goodness. If I didn't get that one right, I would be handing this show over to someone else. Okay, question number two. To me, my board. Huh. You'd think that would be Silver Surfer, right? But no. The first word is six letters. The second word is four letters. To me, my board. I don't know. I feel like once I hear it or see it, I'm going to really be bummed because I should know this. But I don't know. Question number three. Imperious Rex. Five letters. Turok? (laughs) It's like it's five letters. So I'm going to go with that. And and Turok is a dinosaur hunter. So sure. Great. Question number four. By the hoary hosts of Hogoth. And it is seven letters for the first word and seven letters for the second word. I don't know what the hoary host of Hogoth means, so you got me. I have no clue. Yikes. Number five. Krom! Exclamation point. Five letters. What is Krom? I don't know. Who knows this stuff? Who knows this stuff, really? Question number six. Great Caesar's Ghost. I have to know this one. It's Perry White. Nah, I, I locking it in. Final answer. Perry White. Okay. Question number seven just says goddess exclamation point. Five letters for the first word, six letters for the second word. I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense. Five letters, six letters. Doesn't ring a bell to me. Question number eight. Merciful Minerva. Five letters. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's tough. Play Number nine. And there's a lot of questions in this quiz. This is ten, which is more than normal. Excelsior. Everyone knows that's Stan Lee. So, great. I got that one. Now, the last one, they try to trick you here. It says, it's clobberin' time. You'd think the answer would be the thing, right? No, no, no. It's Benjamin... Grim. Ooh, sneaky wizard. Sneaky. There's actually a little funny blurb next to the prizes, and it's a picture of Benjamin Franklin, like a scanned $1 bill, and it says, Take a thousand guys, just like me, to your favorite comic book store. That's pretty funny. So overall, I did pretty well in this quiz. Better than most. I got It's Clobberin' Time, Excelsior, Great Caesar's Ghost. I'm thinking I got Imperious Rex right, and I got, you know, Hey Tiger right as well. So I'm good with that. I'm pretty happy. Remember, check out our special on the Roger Gorman Fantastic Four film that we're going to be dropping four Fantastic Friday specials on our podcast as well as on the YouTube channel. 
you should definitely check it out at Wizards Podcast on YouTube. You could check us out on Instagram at Wizards underscore comics and on Twitter at Wizards Comics. As always, you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, and that's all thanks to the Retro Network. Those guys have been great to us over the last year or so that we've been doing this podcast, which is unbelievable that it's been a year already. We've got a lot of great stuff in store for you guys, so please stay tuned. And until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.